How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of your favorite Sunday podcast, Scales and Tales podcast, episode 74. And we're closing into 75, and we're, we're getting real close to that episode 100. But anyway, we are joined by a guy who I remember watching on YouTube like a couple of years ago. And then, um, funny enough story, uh, one of my friends from my area was, was on a business trip down in Arizona, and he actually ran into this gentleman and just... Uh, he was like, oh, this guy was fishing big swim baits down there. Like, I think, I think he, this guy's so cool. Like, you have to find his YouTube. I'm like, oh, like, I've watched that guy's stuff before. And so that's, uh, I always associate that with, with this guy, even though he probably doesn't know it because, like, we don't really know each other. But I'm like, oh, I, I know this guy and somebody I know has met this guy. So I thought that was pretty cool. We're joined by Mr. Randy Ritchie. We'll, we'll, just, we'll, say, we'll just say Randy Ritchie because that'll just be easier for everybody, I think. <laughs> So, Randy, like, introduce yourself to the people who, who are unfamiliar with who you are. Yeah, uh, so my name is Randy. I think uh, Randika on Instagram, Randy Cast on YouTube. Born in Indonesia, I grew up in a very populous city called Jakarta. I learned how to fish over there. Uh, so oh. my, yeah, um, I remember uh, growing up, uh, my dad would uh, take me to uh, pay ponds every Every once in a while, uh, so because Jakarta is uh, pretty much overpopulated, you know, we couldn't really go fishing um, at the natural lakes. Everything's so polluted, and it's just not very sanitary. And so the only access to fishing we had was basically just pay ponds, at least you know around the metropolitan area. And yeah, I remember my dad would uh, take me uh, take me out of school to go fishing at times. When I uh, turned nine, unfortunately, uh, my dad passed away. We uh, moved to the United States. And, of course, I wanted to continue my uh, passion for fishing over here. Kind of taught myself how to fish, I guess. Uh, you know, started with catching bluegills, you know, mm -hmm. with bread. And then I, and then I uh, saw uh, one time, I remember, uh, catching this one bluegill on a three-pound bass. Just annihilated it in front of me and i'm like okay i want to catch that fish yeah uh yeah and um so i you know i started to subscribe to uh in fisherman magazines watch those you know weekend shows uh tv shows like bill dance uh really wanted to learn how to catch these you know these these fish uh lashmouth bass so you know read magazines read fishing encyclopedias uh and my parents were very supportive about it. Um, they would send me to uh, fishing camps. I learned how to fly fish. Um, oh. Yeah, my dad would take me to Montana to go fly fishing uh, down near Libby. Uh, that was awesome. So I learned how to fly fish. And then I would go up to Maine, Boston to try to catch stripers on, on, on fly rods. That was wow, super fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so that's sort of just a little bit of uh, background about uh, how I got into fishing and uh, and sort of yeah uh, my background in fishing. I I basically did everything uh, from you know bobber fishing at pay ponds to fly fishing for stripers uh, down at the uh, you know Boston Harbor. So when when you came over here and uh, and you went out fishing for the first time, did it did it feel weird that uh, maybe you didn't have to pay to go go fish. Like you could just kind of drive to a to a roadside park and start to fish a lake. Was that kind of 
was that something that felt out of the ordinary to you because there was like uh such a population of lakes that that maybe weren't necessarily as bad as what you described back at home oh yeah for sure it was uh definitely uh unusual to be able to just find a body of water and just fish it didn't see any trash around that was uh uh that was uh definitely a a, a nice change some lakes we had to pay uh right, around yeah, here but yeah yeah, yeah not not very many of them heck yeah man and so pay to fish lakes were those uh like typically maybe a little bit cleaner than some of the other spots that you had talked about or was that uh, oh. just what well, was like close to you guys so that's what you that's what you fished at oh yeah for sure uh this you know these uh, places are typically maintained so it's you know uh pretty clean uh i, I i'm i would say 100 percent of the people there would be uh, bobber fishing with okay. you know with a mixture of egg and potatoes and their their secret mixture or whatever yeah yeah uh, and we'd just be catching uh, mostly carp uh pakus uh snakeheads at times um and uh and the only i would say fishing outside of the pay pond uh that i would do would be when uh uh during the monsoon season our uh, neighborhood would get flooded uh, mm -hmm. would probably happen a couple times a year uh and I would go out in boots and we'd just be catching snakeheads out of like the community. Uh, I don't want to say uh, sewer, but it's sort of like the same system like Florida where you can just kind of drop a line in the gutter and you can catch fish out of it. Uh, that's, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember catching oh. eels and snakeheads. Uh, yeah, those were the, yeah, now, those were the days. Was, was fishing over there kind of like a, like a fun thing that everybody would do? Like kind of how like over here, like obviously, yeah, it's like it's kind of seen as like a hobbyist thing, but also, you know, there are people that fish for food and that sort of thing. Was that kind of how it was over mm -hmm. there? Was it still like a like a pastime fun thing that people did out there, or was it kind of like, oh, we need to go catch dinner tonight? Yeah, it's. I think for the most part, people there fish for food. I would say you know you they weigh the carp that you catch, and then that's what you pay. You go home, you clean it. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I remember getting bit by a Paco trying to clean it when I was like six <laughs> or seven years old. Yeah, yeah. Dang man! And so coming over here and and kind of seeing like all these, like you said, you learned how to fly fish and stuff. Were you like, oh my gosh, like there there's more there's more to this fishing thing than just the snakehead carp and Paco? Or like was that was that kind of like a blown away thing for you to see like all these trout and like this super clear water like super clean mountain yeah. water and stuff oh yeah uh, i was completely blown away uh definitely was uh felt grateful and fortunate to be here uh to continue this uh passion uh in this environment you know uh, although you know actually nowadays uh if uh, i would if i go back to indonesia uh, there are places there are still. Uh, I would, if you travel away from the cities, there are there are places where you could actually do some uh, similar type of fishing for okay. for, uh, for arowana, for snakeheads oh, yeah. with lures. And this is something that I didn't know existed, of course, when I was over there. But uh, now that I, you know, that I am a little bit more educated, I see videos of people catching uh, black Papua bass uh in the mangroves and catching barramundis catching gts uh, just yeah all over indonesia so it's a 
definitely, I think uh, uh, the culture of fishing has changed there since the you know the technology uh, in fishing has progressed in the in the you know past few decades. I would yeah. say. And what, what was it, what was it kind of like when, when you started getting these in Fisher magazines and stuff and, and you saw these guys, you know, catching these big fish and catching bass and stuff and kind of reading, reading that they just threw them back. Was that kind of was that different for you or had that been something that you would kind of come to realize that that maybe here guys are throwing fish back and kind of doing it more as like a hobby thing? Um, it was a little bit different, but I had no issue adapting to that. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I've always loved animals. We had fish as pets, uh, even if we didn't, you know, if, even if I didn't keep the fish, I, mm -hmm. I feel great, uh, putting them back and, uh, yeah. Heck yeah, man. And that, that does make a lot of sense. And so when you yeah. got into fly fishing, did you feel like, like, I don't know like when people get into fly fishing, I feel like there's, there's one of two things like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Like this is so much fun or. Like I'm gonna do this, and then I'm I'm just gonna get into something else. Did it feel like you were? Did you think that you were gonna fly fish, you know, until your days were over, or was it just kind of another style of fishing that you had picked up and and had fun doing? It's just another style of fishing that I picked up and 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 have fun doing it. Uh, I still do it to these days. Actually, my most recent trip uh, outside of the country um, was to Argentina. Um, I went to fly fish for golden dorados. That was one of my bucket list fish. Uh, yeah, had a blast. Uh, uh, I I did try to assume bait for them. Uh, I I did I did catch uh, a couple on uh, on the working class zero citizen. Uh, but uh, that being said, I did break my uh, my only assume bait rod that I brought over there. Um, uh, and so I uh, I ended up just fly fishing the entire time, which you know which was no issue so yeah dang man i mean at least at least you got to catch one or two like that like a broken yeah. rod sucks but it's like yeah, I, yeah. I, I caught what i came for i guess so it's kind of a wash i suppose <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by leviathan rods leviathan rods is a texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end made in the usa rod blanks Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. And so wait, at what point in time, like whether it was your age or kind of just your point in life, when did you... When did you see a swim bait and when did that kind of like peak that interest like the fly fishing had? Oh yeah, that's a really good question. So yeah, uh so I, you know, uh learned bass fishing in high school. Uh I think I started catching uh I think my PB at the time was six and a half pounders. Uh I caught a six and a half when I was a freshman in high school with a jerk bait. I still remember with a bomber jerk bait. Um, and then I caught another six and a half and a six, uh, at a family vacation in West Virginia, surprisingly, uh, a mountain lake. Uh, I was throwing a double bladed buzz bait. Those were the last two big fish that, the uh, the last three big fish that I caught, uh, from the East coast for, I would say like a decade. Yeah. For like a decade. Um, uh, so after high school, uh, I went to school uh for nine years i got 
you know, I got my bachelor's and advanced degrees. And at the time, I uh, unfortunately had to uh, kind of uh, put fishing in the you know back burner. And then uh, right before I graduated uh, from school, I met uh, my wife now, at the time my girlfriend. And, and one day she just kind of like, hey, Randy, do you want to go fishing? And I'm like, what? You know, like, oh, <laughs> uh, you have no idea. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I want to go fishing. You know, I will show you fishing, you know. And uh, I and uh, she took me to uh, she grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, so that's where I went to school in Pittsburgh. And uh, she took me to a lake that I guess uh, she was familiar with. Oh, or not, she knew she knew of, but she wanted to learn how to fish. And she took me there and and I was throwing a double bladed butt bait and I caught a, a five and a three. Oh, my and God. She was she was totally amazed. Like, oh, my yeah. God. And I think uh, that day reignited my passion for fishing and uh you know after i graduated uh i got a job in arizona and uh before i moved of course i did my research right yeah and yeah. that's where i start seeing swim bait because i was out of the game for nine years mm -hmm. uh, i start i started seeing this big swim baits uh, i was watching i remember oliver nice videos mostly uh uh back in, uh back before he got you know huge yeah um and and yeah that's that that was my first exposure to swim bait so when i arrived in to arizona uh, i got my first swim bait set up uh, i remember my wife got it for me for uh for my birthday it's just a uh abu garcia round reel uh rcn 6600 they don't make them anymore but it's a terrific reel and uh Okuma uh, guide select, and uh, I learned. Uh, I you know I, I bought the cheap stuff first to see mm -hmm. how it uh, how they were like to learn about them. I I bought shine glides. I bought the lucky craft, uh, shitty glide bait, but I caught <laughs> I caught fish on them. Uh, the yeah. uh, the the lucky craft uh, real AU. I think that's that's what they were called. Uh, bought uh, some S waivers and I just went to this lake. Um, and at the time, this was 2015, 2016. At the time, uh, the lakes in Arizona were crystal clear. I would say, uh, and I mean the lakes in Arizona. I meant like the the salt chain lakes. They were uh, those were where the big bass uh, mm -hmm. sort of. Uh, if if you see somebody catch a DD. It's probably going to be from one of those lakes. Yeah. Um, and there was this lake called Apache Lake. Uh, that's where I like to go because uh, uh, when I moved to Arizona, I got like a small kayak and, uh, and I didn't like to be blown around by the pleasure boaters. Uh, it's huge in Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, and this Apache Lake was between Canyon Lake and Roosevelt Lake. And to get there, you had to drive like, I don't know, 15, 20 miles on dirt road. And most people, and that kind of steered a lot of people away uh, yeah. from reaching that lake. And so it, I usually had just have the lake to myself out there. And that's where I learned how to catch Arizona bass. Uh, um, and, uh, and, and, and when I picked up swim bait, you know, uh, swim bait fishing, I've kind of, uh, treated them kind of like a jerk bait almost, mm -hmm. uh, uh, because all I had was glide baits, and I, you know, I like to see them swim, and I was just treating like jerk baits, and I would be catching, uh, I would say the smaller fish, 
and uh, I would see the bigger fish follow, but they wouldn't commit. And and for a while, I couldn't figure out why they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't eat. But and so this was 2015, 2016. Water clarity was I would say like 15, 20 feet. It was crazy. Uh, it was I would those lakes were like were like paradise. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, they were awesome. Um, yeah, and I wanted to uh, learn new techniques, uh, get better at catching Arizona bass. So I did a lot of tournaments. Um, I started doing a lot of tournaments pro-am uh, uh, as a co-angler and then, and also some some teams. And then uh, I didn't do very well because as a co-angler, it's sort of difficult to be at the mercy of the boater. Uh, and then, so I started doing a lot of, uh, I did cash a few checks, but not many. And then, but I did learn a lot, and then I start uh, doing uh, entering um, uh, kayak tournaments, and that's where I really uh, took off. This was yeah, 2016, 2017. Uh, got a lot of second and third places, and uh, learned the ropes. Uh, I, I remember putting together you know 30 pound bags. Uh, it wasn't difficult at Canyon. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This was 2017. Uh, I would, I would put like a 25 pound bag, and the next very next day, I'd come back and put a 30 pound bag, and it would, it would just be like, oh, it's just a normal day at Canyon Lake. That's that's how the lake used to fish back then. Dang. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, of course, I met a few guys, and I start, and I met this guy who did a lot of tournament, but I would. Uh, I wouldn't say that he was like one of the OGs of throwing swim baits, but he was one of the early guys who did it. Uh, and he was a tournament guy. So he did it at tournaments as well. And I went to over to his house and he showed me like HPH and like those OG 250s. I had not, mm -hmm. you know, I, I knew nothing about it at the time. Showed me some hinkles like, oh yeah, those are really cool. And I'm like, well, I'm sort of stepping away from fishing, so basically all of this stuff is for sale. So I picked a lot of this space basically for cheap. He was a yeah. good, a good friend, and I picked his brain. Um, I also um, met Manny Chi. We had breakfast together a couple of times, uh, and uh, dinner a couple of times, and just a really cool guy. You know, I get to pick this guy's brain, and um, and. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, yeah, I, I see this big fish follow, but they, they don't commit. Uh, like, like, and so, and so, basically, what I learned from our conversation with them and uh, my conversation with them and 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 uh, and and the couple of years that I spent in Arizona is that I had to give this bigger fish more credit, right? Mm -hmm. And as soon as I start doing that, I start catching this fish and i mean and what i mean is is uh you know those fish they get big uh because they are smart right they're smarter than the smaller more aggressive fish they don't get caught very often and they also uh they get big because they uh expand uh i i would say uh less energy than than the other fish because they you know, they commit when they know that all of these factors are are um, are to their advantage, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when they have yeah. the advantage, that's when they commit. So as soon as I start to shift my mindset to 
you know, to that, like, hey, yeah, okay, these fish are smarter than smaller fish. So you gotta, you gotta basically uh, think like, like how I, you know, like I, how I play with my dog, basically like tease and, and my dog wouldn't go for the toy. But as soon as I take it away or, or, or pull it near uh, like a structure where they can pin it against the couch mm -hmm. or something like that, like a, or like the wall, that's when yeah. they go for it, right? And so, it's, yeah, again, same thing. Um, and 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 the other thing was fishing uphill, which was uh, a concept that was, I would say, new to me. Because most of the times when you're on a boat, you just, you know, cast towards the bank, you reel it in. And then I remember when I did uh, the fly fishing camp, it's like, oh, yeah, most fish will, will eat when you, when you pull the bait from the, uh, when you cast towards the shore and bring it out, I'm like, hmm, okay, and that kind of stuck with me for a while. But, but uh, you know, obviously, uh, I would say that the, you know my 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 uh, coach or whatever was wrong. But but obviously, it's uh, the opposite. Uh, that's what I learned anyway in, in in Arizona. And and I remember my first 250 fish. I think this was the fish that that kind of started. Uh, all of the big fish that I caught in Arizona with swim baits. Um, it was like a windy day, and uh, it was at Sogoro Lake. And again, uh, uh, in 2017, water visibility was 15, 20 feet easy. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was wind blowing up against the shore, and I just wanted to go pee. And so I parked my kayak, <laughs> and then I started thinking about my conversation with Manny and and uh and, and my friend joey you know and i was like oh yeah we talked about fishing uphill maybe i should try that so i chucked the 250 like 100 feet 150 feet and i and i let it like for for a little bit uh really then the first cast there were like seven followers i'm like no oh fit. my god and and they were all four to six pounders it's like holy shit like you know that's Okay, so I'm on to something here. Uh, at least, at least I hit a spot that those fish were hanging out, and they were looking out into the you know the open water, and they were following, uh, you know this thing to shallower yeah. water. Okay, okay, so that's like a piece of the puzzle, and so like all right, so I'm gonna hide behind this rock, make a similar cast. And maybe change my cadence a little bit. And I remember, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's the same six fish that showed up, but again, I saw a bunch of fish followed. And as, and when I changed the cadence a little bit, uh, one of the fish followed it all the way to the shallow water up. Like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It, it like, it tried to block its only way out to deep water with its body but like turning sideways i still remember it and as soon as i uh changed the cadence to a more erratic cadence so i start kind of like slow meandering and then and then change it to something more erratic and i saw the fish just it got excited and it it ate the 250 head first right next to my feet it was insane oh i was hiding behind a rock and it was like oh my god like that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And that was my PB uh, sumate fish at the time. It was like a six and a half pounder, 23 inch bass. Post spawn, it could have been bigger, I guess, but 
yeah, completely post-spawn. And after that fish, I just used the same technique and I got more consistent catching 250 fish. Uh, I caught like two, three more uh, fish that was uh, around that same length, uh, about the same weight. Uh, and then uh, I think fall came around. So this was in, a this was in April of 2017. Fall came around. Uh, finally bought you know, my first three HPH, uh, two of them was, were from my buddy. And then I got one from like, uh, SBU and, um, uh, and I remember, uh, learning how to fish, uh, cliff walls. Uh, and man, this fish would follow, but if you don't throw that bait right up against the cliff wall, like right up against the wall, they will not commit. And that's something that I learned, uh, very quickly. So. So not only respecting the fish, the bigger fish more, but also making those casts really count. When you get to a good spot and you know it, that spot holds fish, you got to make that, that cast count. And, that's, uh, I, and I'm glad that I learned that early on uh, in my swimmate career back in 2017 uh, because I didn't have that that many more chances after that because 2018 was when, you know, was when a big algae bloom hit Canyon Lake and killed a lot of the fish. Uh, I think 2017, I want to say in the, uh, 2018 spring was when uh, I would, uh, the DNR, the, the Department of uh, Natural yep. Resources, they, yeah. they said that the uh, algae bloom killed 90% of the fish in Apache. That was, that was heartbreaking to hear. And it killed a lot of the fish in Canyon Lake. So I didn't have that very many chances. And 2017 was really the last, I would say, golden years of, of fishing in Arizona. And, uh, and it's been downhill since 2017, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember. Uh, so going back to 2017, when I figured out that I had to make my cast count, learning, you know, like when I first got my first H, when I first got my first HPH, I thought to myself, Man, what is this thing? It hasn't swim very well. Man, this thing sucks. You know, like, like ah, I just spent like 150 bucks on this thing. Like, wow. Yeah. And uh, but but I remember my first uh my first fish caught on it. I will never forget it. And this was the fish that sort of got me to record my outings more. Mm -hmm. And I started to kind of start my swim bait uh, uh channel uh, on YouTube and um, yeah. Uh, I made this cast flat up against the cliff wall. I was wheeling the bait in. And it's like, oh, okay, there's no fish. But right before I lift uh, the bait out of the water, I saw this fish just torpedoed, made a beeline towards my kayak. And I saw it too late because I was already trying to lift the bait out of the water. So by the time the fish got to me, I already lifted the bait out of the water. I'm like, ah, shoot. Like I messed that up. Like I, sh I, and, and this was one of the things that I learned uh, to uh, always look at the uh, surrounding mm -hmm. way past your bait. I think that's also important to see if there is any followers kind of like, you know, uh, straggling along, but, but keeping their distance. And I think that's uh, cause I, after that, I think I had so many more, both side eats it's uh, it's crazy anyway and this fish was just like staring at the hph 
right underneath it and it wasn't moving and i'm like what the hell like i already lifted the bait under the water like you know what's going on why is this fish still here usually they get spooked but this fish was hyper focused on the hbh and i'm like hmm what happens if i just dip the bait back in the water and as soon as that <laughs> tail hit the water oh man that that five pounder just ate the back end of that HPH. It was gone. Uh, only the head was the HPH was showing. It was insane. I've never seen anything like that. I was like, oh man, like nobody's ever going to believe me. You know, I'm going to have to start recording my outings. And uh, yeah, and I'm glad I did because I caught, uh, when I caught my PB, I was, you know, I was, ha happened to be uh, recording at the time. Yeah, after that fish, I caught like maybe like fifty HPH fish. I figured out what the what the fish at Canyon Lake, you know, and and Silver Lake, what they really want and how they want to eat it. Uh, I mean, like these fish were mostly like in the like four five pound range. Uh, yeah, I think biggest was maybe like a six on the HPH. Uh, that became my uh, my go to bait uh, essentially. And then, uh, and I also <clears throat> learned, uh, uh, I mean, I also got a couple of, uh, one of the first, the first generation of battle shots and I fell in love with them, caught a couple of sevens and eights at Canyon Lake. It was, it was amazing. Um, and so basically, uh, it was 250 HPH and battle shots. Those were, those were the three baits. Those were the only three baits I threw uh, at the time. Um, and then I remember uh, Brock started to pump out some uh, some of this newer hero trout and hero shads. And I'm like, oh, man, those look badass. I'm going to get some of those. Mm -hmm. so, I get, <clears throat> so I got a couple of those. Um, and uh, this was, now we're looking at December of 2017. Uh, they just stocked Canyon with trouts. I went out that morning. Within 30 minutes, I got a six and a half pounder on a 250. I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be a good day because yeah, I can tell they're active. And then I went and then I traveled about like a quarter mile toward the dam, and I saw uh, a site that like I've only heard of, which was when these fish were cornering the trouts up against the wall or a bank, and it was it's, it was a sight. Um, yeah, so basically I came up to this little cut, like a little cove with steep walls to a shallow, uh, to a shallow gravelly, uh, shore. And I saw these trout, which is getting hammered over and over again. And, and these bass weren't very big. They were probably like three pounders just wow. hammering on six inch trout. Yeah. And I, and I threw my 250 back in there and, um, uh, and all the trouts tried to school with it on the way back to the kayak and i saw like a bunch of three pounders just following it i'm like okay that was cool but these aren't really the fish that i was looking for you know and i just kept drifting and drifting and i put down the 250 and start throwing the hero trout out and i remember uh this uh very interesting spot that i came across it's like a bunch of toolies on the left side but it had a big drop off uh about like Five feet from the two leaves, it had a big drop off down to 20 feet or something like that. And I threw the hero shat shallow, way, it was full cast, shallow. 
and right when that hero when I when I uh when I got the hero trap to about uh where the drop off was, I got hammered hard. My God, uh, and 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 that morning I actually forgot my net, right? So I had to stop by a friend's house to grab his net, which was not my net. It was slightly shorter. The head was slightly smaller. It wasn't the right net. It wasn't a net that uh, that I was used to. So I hooked this fish at full cast. We fought it for for a while. Um, when I got to the boat, I saw it was just pre-spawn, big fat. I mean, like I don't want to guess the weight, but it was at the time it was the biggest fish I've ever seen. Uh, if I have to guess now, it was probably like nine, uh, nine and a half plus or minus half a pound. Honestly, yeah. it was it was a big fish, and I touched the fish three times with the net. Oh man, I tried to get that fish into the net, and it just would not give up. It would just dog me under. It would just dog me underneath the kayak. It was crazy. Um, and the last pass, I was like, "All right, that's it. I'm putting you into the net. I don't, I don't care what happens." And I committed the cardinal sin of landing a fish with a big swim bait and that was letting the head went above the water mm -hmm. and as soon as that head went above the water uh it had it did a big head shake and i've done this before where i where i caught the fish on the way down but this time the fish unfortunately shook the wrong way and i was devastated and to this day i still think about that moment uh uh, I think this was still early in the morning, so I, I launched my kayak at six. I caught that that six and a half at like six thirty, and I came across this fish at around seven thirty a.m. And I just went home. I was there for an hour and a half, and I just went home, dude. I felt so defeated. Uh, it was, you know, I probably should have stayed, and I could have probably maybe hooked another one, but man, I was I was so bummed, and um. Uh, that was the end of 2017. That was my last, uh, my last encounter with a big fish, um, and uh, and I had a tournament uh, early February uh, 2018 at Silver Lake uh, that I uh, practiced. Um, uh, so I went. So that day, uh, well, uh, that week I prefished that lake for a couple of days. I just uh, and I learned that the fish only reacted to drop shot and uh, and the hero trout. I threw everything else. I threw two fifties. I threw <clears throat> hero trout. I threw the mother. I threw everything and no interest. And then as soon as I switched to the hero shot, for some reason, I I hooked a four pounder, dumped it by the kayak. They didn't really care because I was just pre fishing, and uh, I dialed in the leader length. For the tournament, uh, for you know, for my drop shot, uh, did some video game fishing, dropped it on their head, caught them. Okay, so I'm not gonna sting anymore with the fish in that spot, and uh, and yeah, so that day, uh, the day of the tournament, I remember launch at six or six thirty or something like that. I got to the spot that I saw this fish I caught uh, like a couple of days ago during the pre-fishing. I had everything set up. Uh, I knew that they only reacted to drop shots and swim bait, so I literally just brought two two rods that day. <laughs> yeah, makes uh, it easy. I, yeah, I just had my drop shot with that bait that I knew they responded well to, 
and I had my uh, hero shot. That's all I had that day. And um, first cast, I saw it, got a five and a half pounder, 20 and a half inch fish. Second cast, 16 incher. Third cast, 15 incher. And this was a kayak tournament, and the limit was only three because it wasn't very long. It was like, I think the tournament was either 6, 6.30 to about 2 or 1.30, uh, one or the other, I forgot. And uh, so I had, so I had my limit within 15 minutes of launch. It was insane. Uh, ne- uh, probably the best start I've ever had with a with a five and a half pounder, you know, kicker. It's uh, so like, all right, so it's time to call. And I and I think I caught another one uh, after that. That was like a fourteen incher. Didn't call. Just threw it back. All right, so it's time to call to you know, bigger fish and uh, put away the drop shot. Pull out my hero shad and uh, just start to fish uh, parallel to the bank uh, and also uphill, like what I learned, you know, the previous season. Yeah. Uh, and I came across this uh, rock. I mean, it just looked amazing. And the way the kayak was drifting, and this was uh, when I uh, started to really be uh, conscientious about boat positioning and where it's drifting and how it's affecting the bait and all of these factors just kind of give you a slight uh, advantage I want to say or like a higher it gives you a higher probability of Mm -hmm. of hooking to the right fish and landing the right fish so the more I think about the little things uh, the more I guess I uh, became more successful in catching some big fish um and yeah so i was fishing this bank and i saw this one rock and i cast that it was a perfect cast and i was drifting slightly to the wall and and i the cast must have been like 100 100 125 feet or something like that inches away from the wall just landed perfectly exactly where i wanted and as i was drift as i was drifting to the wall the bait uh was wrought up against the wall the entire time and i knew it for some reason something i I knew that i was going to get bit there i didn't know that it was going to be my pb Mm -hmm. but i knew that i was going to get bit there just because of how perfect everything was you know when you got to that spot you made the right cast just like oh man like something has to happen here i mean like everything's perfect you know what else you know what else does the fish want you know and it was the perfect scenario yeah yeah, and that fish, I could feel it just T-bone the bait right up against the wall. And it just, I set the hook on that fish and it did not budge. It didn't move. And finally, it started running towards me, jump a couple of times. And I remember, you know, I uh, when I lost that really big fish earlier in December, that I wasn't going to make the same mistake, that I wasn't going to lose patience and try to lift the head of the fish out of the water and try to catch it. I let the fish just do its thing. And yeah, I grabbed the net and man, I, I was, I mean, I, I knew that it was a double digit. I didn't know that it was going to be like 11 plus, but man, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was during a tournament too. Yeah. It was, it was almost 27 inches, just a hair under 27. Oh, shit. That, yeah, that it's a hair a long fish. Yeah. yeah, it was a long, old fish. Uh, I could see algae growing out of its mouth. And the, that oh mouth God. was 
pristine. I, I would say, I wouldn't be surprised if that fish has never been caught in its life. Yeah. That mouth was so pristine. Algae was growing on it. I mean, it was a beautiful specimen of a fish. It was pre-spawn fish, but it could have been like fatter. But it was still fat. Uh, put it on the bogo grip. That was in the water, and this was a kayak tournament, so they only cared about the length. Uh, yep. So I got, but I waited anyway, and I was in the water. It was bouncing between 11 and 11 and a half. I had a boga grip with a 30-pound uh, uh, limit, so the increment was half a pound. It wasn't very precise, but it was accurate, and it makes sense. Um, yeah, so I just call it 11, even though I know it was bigger. I got the measurements right, so I could just send it off to uh, like a you know guy guy who makes replicas and, mm -hmm. and make the fish. But that was I think maybe an hour or two after launch, um, and I knew that I knew that I won that tournament, so I just went back to shore, just chatted with the tournament director for like five hours, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that was the end of the day. Uh, basically, 48 kayaks. Um, I was the only one with the limit. Uh, nine people caught fish. Most of them only had one or two fish. And yeah, and wow. basically 30 plus people caught. So apparently it was a tough day. But I dialed it in. Yeah, yeah I, I dialed it in, uh, you know, the days before. And it paid off, uh, and luckily the bite didn't change, you know, since the day I pre-fished it. So I was very fortunate then. So that's basically uh, the the general uh, story of my swimbait fishing uh, progression. In the, yeah. yeah, damn, and it's like Arizona. There's there there's like a good amount or there was a really good amount of swim bait guys out there around that time like you had jeffrey obviously uh man oh yeah mm -hmm. um, i don't know if phoenix was still out there around that time and then like you had guys like who i didn't even know about yeah. are you familiar with uh grady cod by chance oh my, oh i ran into him uh on the water a few times yeah he was one of the guys that i looked up to him manny joffrey uh, all those guys I looked up to, and the, uh, and I was fortunate enough to run into those guys on the you know on the water to pick their brains. Uh, yeah, they're 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 really nice guys, really down to earth. Uh, uh, also, uh, you know, of course, uh, ran into uh, I never ran into uh, Jonathan uh, on the water. Uh, Jonathan Palacio. Okay. I uh, I ran into him uh, when I was selling a bait. Uh, I was selling a sly guy bait. Uh, also, super nice guy. Uh, yeah, uh, all the guys I met, uh, all the Sumit guys I met uh, were very nice. Uh, and there were guys, I think I, I think what it was, was, there were more guys that threw Sumit baits, but a lot of them just kept it on the DL. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then the more well-known guys, they, you know, they you see them on the water. And uh, they put in a lot of time, you know, to be successful in Arizona, I think you just have to put in the time. It's uh Arizona fishing is I would say one of the hardest places to fish in the entire I would say you know country uh one of the toughest not the toughest I, I you know I, I don't know where the toughest is but you know I've fished in 
California, I fish in the East Coast, I fish <clears throat> uh, yeah, I fish in a lot of states and I feel like Arizona bass is just finicky. And uh yeah. And you have to put in the time. Uh I think I remember uh one time I think I went like twenty five skunk trips before catching another swimbait fish. That was crazy. Yeah, dude, that's that's freaking brutal. And and you talked about fishing like Canyon Lake and stuff out there. Did you ever uh I I guess I'm not exactly sure where you were at in Arizona, but did you ever kind of go into like Phoenix and, and mess around with those like those public park ponds and stuff, or was it always kind of just lakes out kinda in the boonies that you were swim bait fishing and messing around at? Yeah, so I mostly swim bait fish at the at the at the salt chain lakes. <clears throat> I did, you know, course for tournaments i would go to uh like roosevelt uh, uh like yeah roosevelt like which is part of the salt chain lakes um alamo lake which is about three hours away from the phoenix metropolitan area not part of the salt chain lake system uh bartlett lake bunch of small bass there for some reason even though it's arizona uh and the quarter river and i think <clears throat> when uh you know 2018 when the bad algae bloom happened uh, and it was, and the uh, swimmate fishing, just fishing in general, kind of went downhill uh, in Arizona. I started to go to the Colorado River uh, often. Like it's, a, it would be like a whole weekend thing. I would mm-hmm. leave, I would leave like Friday night after work, come back Sunday. That was, you know, that wasn't unusual. Um, uh, yeah, because the Colorado River is a lot more stable. The fishery, you know, there's current. You don't have algae bloom or anything like that uh the growing season is you know obviously in arizona is all, all year round so there are a lot of 10 pound plus bass out there uh northern strain you know bass out there and i and i uh i hooked into one that was probably a 10 plus uh on the citizen i caught it on video too <laughs> it just did the bait it was heartbreaking it was one of the other big losses that i had um uh yeah but uh called a river uh caught a bunch of eight pounders that could have been a dd in the you know in the pre- in, in, earlier in the year yeah um, yeah yeah a lot of 25 24 and a half inch fish caught uh, there dude that's just that's so ridiculous to hear fish that long because i guess it's complete polar opposite of like what we have here like we have those super you know, super chunky fish, you know, an 18 incher that weighs four and a half, five pounds. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't even know if I could fathom a 20, 25, 20, even like 23 inch bass, dude. Like I would pull that out of the water and I don't, I don't even know what my reaction would be because that is like such a long, mm-hmm. fish. I don't think I'd ever like a 21 inch. I think my longest fish is like 21 and a half. And that oh, yeah. thing, I remember that thing being huge. I caught it on a hinkle trout and yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, this thing is huge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but when you go to Arizona, you get this just long ass fish. Uh, I lost, I've lost count to how many fish over 24 inches I've caught. Uh, in 2017, I, I kept track of how many five pounders I caught, uh, which was basically 20 plus inches. Yeah. Uh, they were uh, 45 fish over five, uh, and 15 of them were over six. And five of them were over seven. I think two of them were over eight. It was, I mean, that was the ridiculous season of 2017. And then it just went downhill after that. Uh, although I did, 
yeah and but I, uh, again i want to emphasize that i took advantage of the very the very beginning of 2018 before all of that mess happened the bad algae bloom yeah i was so fortunate to be able to take advantage of that of that time right before the algae hit so the golden algae hit uh in march so i caught that fish february 10th so yeah golden algae hit in in march and it was just really tough to catch fish out there uh, some big fish the everything i've learned from 2015 just seemed like it didn't apply the last really big fish i saw that i didn't catch out of canyon was in 2019 i was fishing a cliff wall over the 250 and this fish was as big as the fish that I caught in terms of length. Uh, and it just fully charged the 250 right out of the wall. And I, my heart stopped when I saw this fish. Like, oh my God, is this another DD? You know, like, ridiculous. And this four-pounder came out of nowhere and stole it from that fish. Oh my gosh, dude. Oh man, I was so pissed. That's, like, was, when, you, when you were going out there was um no matter what what it what like what uh time of the season i guess it was relative to like a round of trout stocking or the heat of summer whatever did that kind of pertain to like if you were going to go out and fish the hph or uh Mm -hmm. hero hero shad over the 250 or was it just kind of did those fish not really care they knew that general shape and they were going to eat if they wanted to um it it was tricky. Uh, I would say that you have to stay on top of the bite, and when, what I mean by that is they uh, they change from week to week, from month to month. Uh, yeah. It's not always the same bait. Uh, I uh, I would say if you would you know if I would to put a pattern on the on the bite uh, in the fall, they prefer HPH more. That's where I caught most of my HPH fishes in the fall, and most of my. Uh, uh, aggressive i would say uh mm-hmm. most of the battle shot fish that i uh, that i caught that i could see the eat was in the fall um and then when winter hits it's either <clears throat> so after trout stalking i think throwing a trout shaped uh bait is obviously uh the preferred profile yeah but then yeah, yeah. but then at times uh, and and I've done this uh, a handful of times where I see them on my graph um, and I see them feeding on something. I don't know what. Uh, maybe the battle shed uh, profile is close enough to a trout, but I see them very active on the graph. I would triangulate sort of the general location of the of the school of bass that's, uh, that was hunting. And I would kind of fish the battle shed like a hud uh you know it's funny you know uh caught hundreds and hundreds of sumate fish but i've never caught a single hud fish so my uh <laughs> my uh uh my confidence when i when i throw soft baits it's always just the battle shed or the citizen those are really my go-to and so i would see this fish um on my graph i would triangulate the the general position and I would treat the battle shed like a hut, honestly, just crawling it off the bottom. And it would get hit. It would get slammed, uh, just like a hut would. Uh, and that was my uh, my confidence bait uh, in Arizona. 
Dang man, yeah, it's um, yeah. it it's kind of crazy how you how you said you didn't really have much uh you know much much success or much uh confidence in a HUD because I want to say Grady Cod he was fishing the hog or the what was it the Nate's bait maybe mm -hmm. the hog hunter yep yep yeah yeah the hog hunter I I listened to his podcast uh you know when you guys interviewed him yeah yeah it's interesting uh and when I it's funny because when I see him in the water. He talks about like camping those, those underwater island or like yeah, a, yeah. or a structure, right? And and even though I've caught like uh, fish, really good fish, like six mm -hmm. plus pound uh, on on ten XD, hitting it against the ground and you know, hitting it right up against the bottom, yeah, at this sort of like um, uh, hot spots at the lake that you know everybody knows about, right? I don't have that much luck at those spots with swimbait. It's just not my thing. Uh, and and I know. And and during his talk, I you know I listened to it, and he talks about how most of the smaller fish hangs on, hangs around the cliff walls, and that's what's you know exciting to catch, right? Because it's a glide bait fish, right? I mean, like it's just it's like fishing a jerk bait, like I said earlier. And that's fishing jerk bait is one of my favorite things to do. It's just active. You just always trying to target the active fish. The two biggest fish I've ever seen, and the and all of the uh, the top three or four biggest fish I've ever caught was doing that. It's it's funny, right? It's it's just different success, different types of success for different people for some reason. But I do agree that most people who do catch like those DDs, they catch them on uh, hog hunters. I think I've just uh, I just went out so much in 2017. I. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at times I would go three times a week uh, when my wife would permit me to go, you know, like, yeah. Um, and we didn't have any responsibilities at the day, uh, you know, uh, uh, during that year. So I was allowed to do whatever I want, fish as much as I wanted right after work uh, during the weekends and so on. Um, and so I just went out a lot. I think it might have been just because I went out so much that uh, eventually you'd run into this big fish uh you know be uh, becoming active around the walls or around the ambush points that i like to fish uh but i never really had that much luck at those at those uh crawling uh hog hunter or hud i know a lot of people who are very successful doing that i just never got the uh i just never figured that out i guess yeah right and dude like that that sounds like such a like a hard thing that you have to kind of hardwire yourself into. Like I'm going to drag this hud mm -hmm. or hog hunter. Yeah. I'm going to drag it for the next 12 hours. And when I get that one right. bite in the ninth hour and I yeah. miss it, I'm going to keep fishing it for another four hours. Like, dude, like that's, yeah. that's brutal right there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. I, I, I've seen it firsthand. I, I was on a boat and this guy was calling a hud right next to me and he caught an eight and a half right next to me. And it was like, okay, shit. Like, it does work it just it just i just it just doesn't it doesn't connect with me for some reason i i, I couldn't do it i i remember getting a bite on a hut and it was just like a nip and and that was the only thing i've ever gotten on a hut everything every all the other soft bait fish most of the eight pounders i caught was on the battle shed and and i fished them like a hut i fished them aggressively that's what they that's my confidence bait basically for soft bait anyway yeah 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 dude sorry i was watching your uh your cast catch of the of the 11 pounder right here on, on youtube i was i was scrolling through your youtube and i was i was pulling it up to to look at it and 
Okay, so I dude, you set the hook on that snag at first, and I was like, oh my gosh, I thought that was the fish. I was, I was like, holy. I God. knew he was. I knew he wasn't a snag, but I, I I knew he was a fish. But that fish just pinned it right up against the wall. Like I guess I had a, I had a, uh, a very small. Uh, I thought that it was a very small chance that it was a snag, but yeah, I knew it was a big fish. I I knew there was an eight plus as soon as I hooked it. Yeah, dude, that's. Yeah. That's so freaking awesome! And I guess did uh, did the guys come back to the way or to the to the boat ramp during that tournament? And like, were they just looking at you? Like, had word gone across the guys who were who were fishing that somebody caught an eleven, and it was pretty much game over? Yeah. Oh no! I mean, like most people stayed out and 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 tried their best and fished the entire time. Uh, a few guys, you know, when they heard me, you know, freaking out, of course they came and see what the all the commotion was about so they <laughs> turned around and kind of like helped me with the pictures and and but those guys uh yeah they just went out to fish for another six seven hours and and it was just me and on the shore talking to the director uh the tournament director the entire time it was awesome that's so freaking funny dude and uh hold on yeah. i gotta go back, gotta go back to the questions after i just watched you hit that yeah. fish real quick <laughs> not directions but the, the the notes we got here um yeah uh da, 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 da. yeah so when you kind of found found the uh the swim bait bite out there did you were you kind of able to to put that like towards your jig fishing or i saw a video like you were fishing a flutter spoon like did that did you kind of take those ideas and put it to the conventional stuff when you would fish conventional or were you just worried about fishing swim baits like swim baits um yeah uh, i never really thought of them as like uh <clears throat> i would say that Swimbait fishing for me is just a tool. Uh, it's just another lure in my tackle box. I don't really. Well, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's an interesting question. I, I, I guess. Uh, I guess when I swimbait fish, uh, it's funny. Um, it's it's funny because swimbait fishing for me, it's actually. I do it because I have so much confidence in it. It's not because, it's not because you know, oh, I want to get a swimmate fish, right? I, I, I think I think that's part of it, but most of it for me, it's because I have so much confidence in in catching a big fish on swimbaits, um, and that's why I swimmate fish. It's just another tool in my, you know, it's just another tool in my pocket, basically. And that tool happens to be swimbaits that. The you know the that tool that catches big fish happen to be swim baits. I think that's yeah. really the the reason why I swim bait fish. It doesn't, and it's the same way. I fish you know Texas rig. Uh, it's because I have confidence in doing that, um, or it, it's not because um, uh, it, it's not because uh, it this affects that type of fishing. It's because that is what I have confidence doing. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Exactly. There's like, I mean, dude, there's days where I go out and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm only gonna fish the TK. Like, I know I'm gonna catch fish on it. And then there's days I go mm -hmm. out and it's like, oh man, I'm definitely gonna Nico rig a worm and just absolutely pound them on this cr crunch rock. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. But I I don't know. Like majority of the time, I always I'm always trying to catch them on a swim bait. But like, I think this yeah. year especially, I'm gonna be like, dude, like if I can go out and I'll catch them on a worm or a drop shot or a dark sleep or something, I'm gonna go do it just because. 
it's yeah. fun to catch fish and it's kind of yeah. kind of out of that phase where all i want to do is swim bait fish like that's all i want to do but i'm okay mm -hmm. if they're eating, eating a senko or something like i don't care right right yeah precisely and um and and of course getting a swim bait fish is exciting i mean it's typically a violent you know a violent eat especially when they eat glide baits so mm -hmm. that's that's it's all awesome right uh but it that's not all i do because as you know i fly fish uh, i tournament fish which you have to be you know flexible put down the swim bait throw what you have to sometimes drop shot you know to produce so it's it's a tool you know it's just a tool but yeah i uh swim bait fishing is exciting so i, I understand that um i understand the the drive to yeah. just want to swim bait fish you know yeah exactly and when yeah. when you went out there and you kind of learned how to fish uh this lake was there other lakes around it and did you take what you knew from your main lake and kind of try to distribute it to the new waters or did all these lakes set up a little bit different where you couldn't mm -hmm. maybe necessarily uh kind of go off of what one bite was like for this next lake across the across the road or however wherever it was yeah uh yeah, that's a that's a good question. I would say even within the salt chain lakes, I feel like the fish behave slightly different from even though they're all connected, the same water. I feel like even in that same uh, river system, the fish in Sogoro, I feel like they behave differently than the fish in Canyon. They behave differently than fish in Roosevelt or Apache Lake. It's it's mm -hmm. interesting and it's uh, but. The common denominator would always just be uh, giving the f big fish respect. Um, you know, think like a big fish. Uh, you know, when you you become big, not because you're chasing around small, small bait fish out in open water, right? It's because yeah. you eat a big prey, where again, all of these factors that are, are, are in your favor to catch. And if it's not, then they're not going to go for it because they're just going to expand energy, right? And, and and there's no there's no reward, right? But these fish get big because, they, because they're able to use expanded energy efficiently and, 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 and more successful in, in hunting this big, big prey. So I think, I think uh, that's always been the common denominator uh, when I go from one body of the water to another, it's just sort of res respecting the fish, and and that's uh, uh, that's uh, that's what I always uh, apply, I guess. Uh, and and I think swimmit fishing sometimes for me, I do it to locate where the where the big fish like to uh, reside. Um, uh, I use it as a tool to locate. So sometimes I make random casts. And, and not very effective cast, just mm -hmm. random cast, and see where they kind of swim from. Uh, I do that a lot for tournaments, actually. Uh, I I don't do tournaments anymore. I have a I have a young uh, kid now, so I I barely fish nowadays. And right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I rarely fish nowadays. Like maybe once every one a month or once every two months or something like that. Uh, but uh, but at the time, you know, when I was when I had a lot more free time. Uh, when I'm pre-fishing a lot of the times, I use a 250 to just find out where they go, and then tournament day comes around, I hit them with the you know with the conventional stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, man. And the the other question I had for you was, uh, 
oh crap what was it um uh, oh when when you'd first gotten started so kind of that like uh you said 2016 is when you first started to fish the swim baits or was it 2015 or 2015 or 2016 uh yeah i mean like 2015 i was dabbling with the yeah. with the really cheap stuff the like cheap the stuff. S- yeah the shine glides the uh, the um the blocky glass really and you oh you're asking about if i fished this urban ponds earlier i i i started um i did that in 2015 and 2016 to just kind of learn how to, to fish the swim bait and i caught a few uh, pond fish there and then uh 2022 right before i moved to, uh, back to the east coast i started to hit those ponds again because that's all i had time for because i have you know again yeah. i have a young son and uh and i really figured out the swim bait bite at those at the pond near my house um um they had uh, my friend caught a double digit from that pond and so we've just been hammering it for the last year yeah uh and um and i really like this uh bait that the the editor of uh tackle tour uh kind of introduced me to mm-hmm. uh it was the Gantorel. oh my god oh, i love that bait learning how to uh, learning how to tune that bait to suspend and just mm-hmm. dead stick it Oh my! It it was a game changer. I caught hundreds of not hundreds, but like I caught like maybe before I moved on the Gantrel, I must have caught like fifty, sixty fish. Uh, just dead sticking that bait. Yeah, um, that yeah. bait. It's, it, that's a cheap bait that you can fish when yeah. you have two fifth like OG two fifties, and it'll it'll just still catch you fish. It does not matter. They do not care how expensive that bait is. They kill it. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the Gantrel is is something else. Uh, and then and that's one of the uh, baits that I picked up in the last year that I really love was the Gantrel. And yeah. and I know Jason's gonna and Bo are gonna laugh at me for saying that because they make fun of me all the time at the SBU because whenever some someone mentions like Gantrel, I was like, ah, that's that's already throws. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, dude, like that's so. that's that's how I got into swim bait fishing. I had a Gantrel and yeah. I. I pounded the snot out of the fish with it. I mean, I broke off both both fins. It got left in in a uh, in like a thirty seven hundred deep box inside my mm-hmm. truck for like a week or two in the summer, and it it, it got super didn't matter. Bubbly. Like yeah, dude, it still swam straight. It was all yep. bubbly. Like it just oh my gosh, that thing didn't matter. No, it can break the fins off and it'll still swim level. Like yep. it's, it's such a sick bait. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I had one that that, that Bo actually uh, traded with me, and it. Yeah, both fins came off and still hammered them. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's uh, crazy. It's, it's a sick bait. I I was a big fan of. Uh, I took a Lunkers Hunt pocket frog, like a like a three dollar frog you can buy at Walmart. It's just a little baby, mm-hmm. and I ripped mm-hmm. it apart and I put the frog hook in that little tail slot. And I don't think like I can honestly say if I ever lost fish on it over like the three years I fished a super hardcore. It had to only been maybe a dozen fish, if that, because they would just get that frog hook, and then they'd get one of the other trouble hooks, and they they would it just it would they would just stay pen, never to go anywhere. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and like it always it always helped like with the short strike because they were always they mm-hmm. were they'd always get it like it it hung off there enough, and it kind of mm-hmm. when you'd kill the bait, it, the hook would kind of lay flush against that tail and. It was just lights out. I actually had bought, it was a normal size one that I fished for the longest time, and then uh-huh. I lost it, and so I got, uh, I ordered a junior and a regular off a of tackle warehouse, dude. Yeah. And, and like, it's it's going to sound like 
like selfish to say, but that junior like literally caught too many fish. It was way too small, yeah. and it just every single fish would eat it. There was no chance for for a three pound or even a two and a half pound fish to eat it because those one pounders mm-hmm. would just kill that bait. Yep. Yeah. The junior one is actually the one that I prefer. Actually, it has better action than the regular one, to be honest. Um, that's the one that I like to tune to suspend is the junior one. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't even know where that bait went. I, I wanted to always <laughs> try the big one, the Giga Gantrell, because I always thought that'd be super yeah. fun to play with. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I never, I never got around to it. And I don't think I, I don't think I'd fish the big one much anymore, but maybe I will get a junior because I did do that. was like such a nostalgia, nostalgic bait for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, it's like somebody yeah. saying like, I caught so many fish on that thing. Yeah. And I, and I, and I feel like the progression of people throwing swim baits, you know, you go start with, you know, uh, S waivers or like shiny light, and you move on to like HPH and two fifties and, and psycho gill or whatever. And it's such an overlooked bait once you, and it's, and it shouldn't be, I, I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like people overlook Gantrell when they get to certain year amount of years throwing swim baits. You know what I mean? But yeah. it really shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And I think, um, like guys, guys get concerned about fishing, fishing these like this top tier of baits around stuff. Like obviously, everybody knows the video of Gilbert talking about fishing like you lost it, but or fishing yeah. like you lost it. And like that's a mindset that like guys are into, but it's also a mindset that's really hard to wrap your head around, especially if you mm-hmm. bought, bought one of these baits secondhand, like an OG two fifty or a you know HPH mm-hmm. six or seven or even just like, like a psycho gill or something. It's it's hard to to commit to that. And that's like, dude, the cheap baits, like I will, I'll sling that thing into a lay down, mm-hmm. I'll it down, I'll I'll hop it like a jig. Like I don't care if I break it off. Oh yeah. well. It was quote unquote. It was only twenty dollars, but I'd rather break it off or catch a fish on that than than risk yep. like a hinkle trout or something. If if that was the case, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's a good point. Um, what what was it like? Or no, okay. So this was a question I was going to ask you originally a couple minutes ago when you had first gotten into it in 2015, 2016 and started getting into it a little bit serious, more serious. Did you ever um, kind of? Did you ever see the fish start to become weary of swim baits? Like, it doesn't sound like there was a lot of guys doing it out there, but as mm-hmm. everybody knows, there's not everybody is up to up to date on social media. They're not uh, posting their stuff on social media like 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 Manny Chi was. Like he was running a like a charter service and everything. Sure, so sure, sure. Do you yeah. think that those fish had seen a lot of baits and started to become yeah. maybe not necessarily scared, but cautious when uh-huh. they see something swim by like that? Um. Uh, I would say uh, maybe, uh, but honest, you know, to be honest, I don't think I was in the game long enough to notice yeah. that before the before the lakes went to shit. Uh, if the lakes were were good uh, in 2019, 2020, and I was con- more, you know, I was still as consistent catching some bitch, which I wasn't. I was consistent in catching them at the at the river, like the big ones at the river, but the salt chain lakes, uh, yeah. After 2018, I think I've caught maybe a handful of six and a halfs after that. Uh, no more, you know, those days of catching seven, eights plus pounders just were over for me. And so I, I can't say, and and I can't say that uh, I have enough data points to, to, to tell you that, you know, oh yeah, the fish got wary. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't have enough data points to tell you that. 
but I remember when I figured them out, you know, that when I, when I, uh, when, yeah, when I figured them out, I was very consistent in catching them. Uh, yeah, I was, um, as soon as, uh, as long as I, you know, I stick to the basics, uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the things that I've learned since 2015, I was, I was able to catch them. I didn't, I didn't see any difference there. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I noticed that he got tougher because all the fish died. But that's about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That a lot. Yeah. And on a clam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, after the really bad, the old analogy, uh, now the, uh, visibility is like just a few inches. You don't see the hydrullas anymore. They have all gone away. I remember fishing battle shot like a frog on top of this radulus and just getting smacked by giant fish. Yeah. And you don't you don't get that anymore. You don't get that frog fishing, uh that those good old days of frog fishing, this really thick hydrulus and and um and uh, yeah, all those days are over. It's sort of sad. Visibility went from like fifty to twenty feet down to a few inches. Um so I think that had a lot to do with it too, because the fish can't see very well. They can't see glides very well. Yeah, so uh, glide fish is just really difficult to catch now. After all that, uh, after all that uh, allergy uh, came through. Yeah. Damn, dude. And did you like? I mean, you had to when that algae bloom started, and like it kind of got around. Like everybody was talking about it. Did you still try to go out, like, maybe not nearly as much, but did you still try to go out there and fish, or was it just kind of a dumb yeah. pause? No, of course, I still went out there, try to, you know, try to fish. Um, although, uh, I uh, stopped. Uh, it's it's weird. I feel like everything that I've learned in 2015 just went out the window because uh, because the lake changed so much. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't apply the same knowledge that I had. Uh, or the same pattern. I could, you know, I couldn't. Um, the the pattern just completely different. So I caught the more on, and again, Jason and Bo and Alec are probably gonna laugh at me for this, but I started to throw a lot of flutter spoons, and and you know, <laughs> um, you see them in my videos too. I throw I throw a big like you know, thick seven, eight, nine inch flutter spoons, and that's what I've been catching the the six six plus pounders uh after after all that um there and they were still difficult to find at time yeah dude that's like that's so sad to hear like i'm I'm grateful that i've never had to go through anything like that but i know the same thing happened down on like ladybird ladybird on in mm -hmm. ladybird yep. lake in austin and it's like yep. just these guys like you know, like Uncle Rico talk about how how crazy good it used to be, and then you know, Austin is starting to bounce back from what I've heard. But still, it's like the fishing was mm -hmm. never as good as it was, you know, four or five years ago. And it's like, damn, mm -hmm. I hope I never yeah. have to, to witness something like that. Watch watch my fishery get destroyed that yeah. that I pretty yeah. much picked apart for the last X amount of years and and got down to a science. Yeah, right, 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 right. And and that's not to say that. Uh that uh there are no more big fish and they can't be caught in swim baits because i know that jeffrey caught a dd last year uh at canyon and uh and i know two dds been caught 
uh, this year, one at a CAG tournament and one at a boat tournament uh, out of Sogoro, uh, albeit, you know, they weren't on some baits, but, but they're still, you know, a big fish there. It's just they're uh, uh, just very few and far in between. Yeah. And so did this algae, was it like a kill off of the fish or did the fish just kind of go lockjaw because they had no idea what was going on? Oh, it killed, uh, yeah, it killed, it killed many of the fish. Um, it's like, so for example, like I said, you know, like I said before, Apache, the DNR estimated 90% kill, uh, kill rate, uh, in 2018. Uh, there were so many dead fish at the, at the canyon in, uh, yeah, 2018. And it was sad because <clears throat> there were pockets of healthy water, mm -hmm. but they're not very big. So, and and I hated this um, uh, because uh, a lot of the people took advantage of those pockets. You know, during the really bad algae uh, season in 2018, people would go out and catch a DD from these pockets. And it's, you, you literally can throw anything at them. Um, you can throw a beer can with, with troubles and you'll catch them. Cause, because there weren't many uh, food items in these yeah, pockets yeah. they were just starving so they would literally hit anything that you put in the water and people were taking advantage of this and it just killed more fish because you know you catch them and then you put it back in the water there's a chance of of the fish swimming through the you know the toxin and and they're also super stressed already you know already as they are and people took advantage of these pockets of 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 healthy and then and and people did that uh 2018 2019 and it's just like eh so i stopped doing tournaments because kayak fishermen would take advantage of these pockets you know and i don't blame them you know when money's on the line mm -hmm. uh you do what you have to do i guess to win <laughs> but yeah I, I i couldn't do it I, I i never took advantage of this this pocket when when there's a bad algae bloom um and so no, they're not lockjaw. It's just that uh, they're just not there. <laughs> yeah, they're not there in the majority of the, mm -hmm. of the lake, and then they are there, and they do eat in the you know in uh, in areas that are uh, that don't have the bloom. Dang, dude, yeah. that's just that's so just unfortunate to hear. Like of, of that yeah. happening, like it's so crazy. Yeah, and did you did you notice like? guys like was there still a bunch of tournaments and was there still like a lot of fishing pressure out there or did most guys kind of cut back and start to fish other spots because of this bloom yeah i i, I think most guys did uh uh tournaments was, were completely uh banned no not banned but like they you weren't allowed to have tournaments uh, for a number of months in 2018 uh, maybe 2019 too i forgot but but you know people did try to to limit the fishing, I I did. I certainly start hitting the Colorado River way more mm -hmm. often. Uh, that's where I went most of the times. After, yeah. You know, um. Uh. And and started to explore to you know the the mountain lakes more often, like Prescott area. I know there are babies there. They're just undiscovered. Never <laughs> seen swim baits before. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh. Flagstaff too. Well, maybe not Flagstaff, but like the um, 
Now I'm starting to forget all the area, all of the locations in Arizona. You're yeah. good. You're good. Uh, I mean, you you talked about kind of getting your baits from your buddy and stuff when you got oh. into it. What was it like to kind of have like out there? I mean, relative to to even like on the East Coast, like you had the hookup tackle out there, coyote uh, mm-hmm. bait and tackle. That's in California, right? Uh, I think so. That one is, yeah. But the hookup is in in Arizona. It, yeah, yeah. So was it kind of was it kind of clutch having tackle shops like like swim like quote unquote swim bait tackle shops out there where you could go and and they would have like maybe hooks and stock for your battle shed and citizens and stuff yeah. like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, a new tackle shop opened up at Cooper's uh, Cooper's Tackle, uh, like down the street from my house. Uh, hookup tackle was like an hour away, so that okay. was a, a bit of a hike to go to. <clears throat> but yeah, no, it was uh, uh, the tackle shop near my house was was definitely helpful. And then, uh, but I uh, before uh, before that, you know, the the tackle shop opened up near my house. I just ordered. A like a warehouse to stock them you know bought a, mm-hmm. bought a bunch bought a bunch and then i wouldn't need them for months maybe a couple of years and then find it to be stock them i just go to tackle warehouse usually dang dude yeah and i mean you're yeah. in arizona so what you get your tackle warehouse order in like a day or two probably yep yep yeah, yeah that's, today. Nice. Yep. <laughs> that's nice <laughs> dang dude yeah that's that's sick what is it uh What's it kind of been like for you? I know, I know you kind of said that you don't get to fish as much anymore now, but when, mm-hmm. when you do get to go out, what's it been like on the East Coast from, from what you would kind of learned and, mm-hmm. and kind of cut your teeth on in Arizona? Yeah, uh, most of the fish uh, I caught have been on like on Vic's bait, uh, the paperweight. HPH never failed. Still catch mm-hmm. them on HPH out here. Uh, I got my a cycle gill last year for the first time. I started throwing that to uh, got a few four pounders on that. I haven't found anything big out here, uh, not yet. Anyway, um, I know there are some big fish around uh, the local lakes, but I haven't had uh, I haven't really put in the time uh, to really figure them out yet. Uh, but yeah, uh, the few times that I have been out, yeah, I've been catching them on same things, uh, same baits as the arizona fish uh even the big nine inch flutter spoon they hit that too um so not, i would say though it's a little bit easier to catch fish out here yeah yeah and uh dude you'd, you'd probably come to like michigan and you'd be like dude like you could put in a bare hook and these fish would eat because that's what everybody <laughs> says like everybody everybody talks about how like these midwest fish like are super easy to catch and from what I've been able to tell, like, I agree. I, I fished uh, for that gathering, the tournament out on uh, Chickamahoney or Chickamahoney, however you say it, out there in Virginia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, dude, that, that's, that, I didn't, I haven't caught a fish out of there, but obviously that fishing is always super tough out of there. And then, like, we even fished a mountain lake up in the uh, mountains of Virginia, and I didn't even mm-hmm. see a fish. And I'm like, dude, if this was, like, in, like, in the, like, in the woods of Michigan, dude, I was like, you'd be catching so many three and four pound fish. Like it's crazy. And my, my, uh, my testing area, as far as like East coast fish versus Midwest fish is very small. I've only gotten to fish a couple areas, but it's like, maybe, maybe these Michigan fish are super feisty compared to like everywhere else I've gotten to fish. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I've, yeah, I have noticed that the fish are probably a little bit more aggressive. Maybe, maybe because the lakes aren't aren't as deep, so they uh, the way they're distributed on lakes not as scattered. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. I'm not sure exactly. Again, I haven't been back for very long. I've only yes, moved in August, July time frame. Okay, yeah. I haven't been out very much out. Yeah, so. Right. So, I mean, what you've talked about a handful of baits throughout the show that are kind of mm-hmm. kind of like your core core value of baits. If you had to pick mm-hmm. maybe two or three of those, which ones are like your go-to? Like if you were going to go out tomorrow, whether that be Arizona or mm-hmm. you know Maryland, what what are you going to go out with? Oh, I guess you kind of talked about how the fishing is a little bit different. So go through like your your top two baits for Maryland and then uh your your two baits that you would always go out with no matter what out in arizona yeah yeah just working class zero soft baits and probably like a glide like a like a shad glide uh probably i would grab an hph although most recently since i'm from Maryland, i you know met up with big cool guy i've been fishing his baits i've been buying some of his baits uh in the last couple of months i i do like to fish his baits his baits actually fish really well uh caught so many fish. I mean, nothing of size yet, but uh, I know they catch fish. So I've been bringing that out whenever I go out now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and also, my buddy in Arizona started making his own baits, uh, uh, BC baits. I think he started selling it, uh, and his baits also catch fish. So I've been bringing that too. Um, and the last bait that uh, that I started uh, throwing. Most recently, I got it in you know for Christmas. Is uh, the clickbait sonar? Um, oh, oh man, yeah. like I, I've always wanted a bait that fishes like flutter spoon. Oh man, this, that's what I love to throw. And to find a one bait that does what a flutter spoon, that does kind of what a flutter spoon does. Oh man, yeah. No, I've been I've been. Uh, it's funny. I I got that in Christmas, and then I went out two weeks ago. And my first cast with it, I caught a four pounder. It was awesome. <laughs> so uh, I haven't been out since then, but I know for for a fact now, I, I'll I'll bring that everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just going back, what uh, what bait do you have of Vix? What what which one do you have, and which one do you like to fish? Uh, right now, I have the Sin Shady, the topwater one. I'm oh, trying yeah. to use that probably for stripers. Uh, I have the six inch paperweight. Uh, I have the gill. Uh, honestly, the gill is probably uh, for me. Uh, you know, I fish a bunch of gill baits. I think his gill bait is probably the my favorite one. I sold all my other gill baits except for his, and besides the Gantrel, you know, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, those three, and then I and then uh, I told him uh, the next time I see him, I'll pick up the taxi chat because those look pretty badass too. Dude, the the. I don't know what paperweight you have. If it's the baby paperweight, dude, like yeah, it's the baby one. Oh my gosh, this that I caught so many freaking fish on that bait, fishing it super fast and erratic like a jerk bait. And yeah, it, it's 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 such a fun bait. I bounced mine off a wall a couple too many times, and I blew it in half, and then I super glued it back together, and then I blew it in half again after a bunch more fish. But it's like, dude, you could catch fish out of a puddle with the baby baby paperweight. Like it's it's such a oh yeah, bait. yeah, I completely agree. I, I'm really intrigued with the gill because I've only ever gotten to see the gill when I went out and hung out with them uh, last year or hung out with Phil, I should say. 
and uh, the gill, like it has a super nice profile to it. And if it yeah. swims, like, if it can swim like the baby paperweight, or if I can make it swim like the baby paperweight, man, it's just it's game over. See, I think for the gill bait, <clears throat> I've been most successful uh, just dead sticking them. And the reason why I really like the gill is it's the most realistic to like a bluegill that I see that, that I yeah. normally see. Like when you see bluegill, you don't normally see them like darting left and right, you know, right. like a shadwood, like a shadwood or a trapwood. They just kind of hang and they, they're suspended. They move when they have to. Most of the time they're just going to sit there. Right. And, <laughs> and his, and his gill is tuned such that I don't have to put any strip underneath it. I just basically pick the right size hook. Uh, the right type of hook and that thing will suspend without any other help and uh, and and it glides beautifully from left to right and it meanders just uh, from the slack of the line mm -hmm. kind of bowing uh, when I'm dead sticking it and it kind of meanders very slowly and it looks just like a bluegill I haven't caught a fish on it uh, yet because I haven't really again had the opportunity to yeah go out and fish but I'm confident that, you know, spring comes around, yeah, that I would catch some, some big pre-spawn bass on that thing. Hell yeah, yeah dude. Um, yeah. What, the one thing we kind of haven't touched on yet really is, is what gear, what gear do you like to use or what's the gear that you kind of stand by when you go out there mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, I, I don't care yeah. what fish I tangle with, I'm going to be able to, to land yeah. it with, with this stuff. Yeah, so most of my rods are load on uh, customs. Uh, I have four of his rods, uh, two extra heavies, one extra extra heavy for the mother and the hero trout, uh, and other like you know the depth bass. I have that one yeah. too. Um, I've had a few leviathans. Uh, I love them. Uh, too. Yeah, I have the medium heavy and the heavy leviathans. Uh, my good friend at the tackle tour. Uh, was nice enough to spiral wrap it, which is what I prefer. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, my my Omega. And then in terms of reels, uh, uh, I mostly throw Abu Garcia stuff, but I do have the tranks for my. Uh, I have a rod dedicated to just throwing 250, and I have the tranks 300 on that one, the higher gear. Um, and then I have a like the big shot. Uh, rod and that one i put a daiwa shrapnel ryoga oh yeah on that one. one yeah yeah the black one uh and then i still have that abu garcia that i that my wife bought me in 2016 that's my favorite the uh, round reel for uh for soft baits uh, has low low gear ratio cast a mile i can skip anything uh on that thing uh, that's RCN 6600. They don't make that anymore, but it was one of the best animals that, the, that they came up with. And then I also have a, for like the smaller swim baits, like the medium, the ones that go in the medium heavy rods that I have, um, for like Gantorel or, um, you know, the baby paperweight, I have mm -hmm. a Abu Garcia Morum, which is their kind of flagship round reel, like a 200 size round yeah. reel. Um, that's, uh, becoming my favorite reels, uh, my go-to reels, and then uh, I just have like a inshore um, Abu Garcia again. So I'm just mostly Abu Garcias, and then a few, uh, you know, two tranks, and then uh, and then one Ryoga. 
Orioles. Yeah, is um is, is there any reason that you like it, it almost sounds like you kind of prefer or you enjoy the round reels more? Is there any reason, a rhyme or reason to that, or is that just what you like fits your hand well? Um, it's what I uh learned how to fish with when I was Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I that's my first bait cast was in the C3. Uh and yeah. But, you know, of course, all of my conventional reels, uh, they're all, you know, low profile. I, all of them are Abu Garcia's, basically. Heck yeah, man. I, uh, yeah. I have an older, dude, I don't even know. It's one of the blue and yellow ones. And uh, I caught a lot of fish on that thing. And I dumped oh, a lot yeah, of that's, fish, too. That's a C4, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I dumped a lot yeah. of fish on that thing, too, because it was, like, literally, like, a three-to-one gear ratio. Like, it's picking up, like, <laughs> 10 inches per turn. And, yeah. I actually dumped a yeah. fish during a big tournament on it last year because I just was oh, not no. with it. Yeah, it was very unfortunate. But I, I, I loved it. Like, it, it would cast a mile, like you said, and uh, it just it, it complemented the rod well. Like, it was a nice anchor point mm -hmm. in the butt of the rod, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I lost a couple fish on it last year, and I'm like, man, this thing is just not a swim bait reel. Like, it, it's it's made for, like, river fishing for steelhead and salmon and stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, yeah, gonna yeah. I'm gonna have to stop using it or yeah. else I'm gonna use a big fish on it. <laughs> yeah. I did pre order the the conquest and the um the one. I've never seen oh. a round reel with that fast gear ratio, so I, I pre ordered one. I had to because that's that's crazy. I had yeah, to have it. I uh Marshall has that uh, Conquest 200, that Gold Conquest 200, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that that's a real like that's a slick real like I want one of those. But then yeah. I want to get a Omega Finesse, uh, the Leviathan Finesse rods, and I want to put like a Corrado 70 on it because that's like I want to say the rod only weighs like seven ounces paired with a 70 size reel, which probably only weighs like five ounces. So you're talking about a swim bait setup less than a pound, dude. Like that's that's yeah. like, mind blowing. Yeah, that sounds pretty sick. And it's just yeah, I don't know. it's there's something there's something about like a light setup that is just so much fun. Mm -hmm. it just, it's like it's a lot of fun to fish a light setup. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh sorry. Looking through the list here. Oh, oh. No, no. You, when you're fishing, like, are you fishing like primarily, you know, twenty-five pound fluoro, or what's what's kind of like your preferred line, P line, mm -hmm. or whatever it be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for soft baits, I throw the Braze X. Uh, I typically throw twenty, twenty-five pound, <clears throat> depending on the bait. Uh, and then for uh, glide baits, I the CXX never failed me. I used to throw the um, the Iser line. I like that yeah. one too, but yeah, I guess uh, I guess prefer the P line, CXX uh, twenty twenty five pound depending on what I throw. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I gotta tell you a story. Um, uh, twenty eighteen, I went to Belize, and I uh, was fishing for tarpon, and uh, I, you know, hooked a bunch of obviously lost a bunch, and then r right before we went in, I hooked the biggest tarpon of the day you know, 90, 100 pounder tarpon. And uh, I had the Tranks 400, 30 pound uh, line, uh, I believe 80 or 100 pound liter mono. And I hooked it on the battle shed. Oh my gosh. Yeah, on the nine inch battle shed. And 
the fought, I mean, I fought that thing for an hour and 15 minutes, all on video. I think it's on my YouTube channel, so if you kind of scroll through it. Um, Mid-fight, I would say about about 50 minutes in, the uh, line insert on the reel came off, and it was just oh P-line CXX against mm -hmm. an abrasive, you know, uh, line winder thing. <clears throat> and then an hour into the fight the drag gave out man i mean like that that fish really uh you know put all of the things i had to test i mean but you know put him through the gambit of tests basically and basically the real failed and um mm -hmm. and um uh, at the end of the fight exhausted i looked at the line the 30 the P line, uh, thirty pound, held up through the entire fight. It was completely abraded from the you know. I mean, like the fight was an hour and fifty minutes. It, the fish almost almost spooked me a couple of times. We had to chase it down with the boat, you know. Yeah, the line was completely frayed from the where it connected to the spool all the way to the bait, and it did not fail. I think from that point on. I just like, all right, I'm going to use the last bit of either line I have. I'm just going to buy free line. So I know it's not going to fail. Yeah. Even even against a 90, 100-pound tarpon, when my equipment failed me. You know what I mean? So that's I think that's why I just prefer the P line. Damn, dude. That's that's a yeah. sick story. Like, that's like, holy shit. Like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. some serious stuff right there. Yeah, that's a good day. Hell yeah, man. Um, trying to think here. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you were prepared to talk about? I'm trying to think of the questions we sent and what we kind of talked about beforehand. I think we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, that's, what I, that's what I thought, man. That's I. I think yeah. I sometimes I think that, and then like we yeah. like, dude, we'll, we'll like tomorrow morning you'll wake up, you'll be at work, and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I wanted to talk about this, <laughs> and we didn't. Like, oh my gosh, but that happens all the time. That happens with me. Like when I have it, when I have a guest on too, that happens all the time. But, <laughs> What uh what where are the social what are the socials and where can people find it? Uh, maybe check out the YouTube videos and stuff you have up. Oh yeah, uh, I'm uh, Randika R A N D Y K A on Instagram, uh, and it's Randy Cast. So basically R A N D Y K A S T on YouTube. Uh, I pretty much make those videos for me to watch. Uh, yeah. I don't really make them for anybody else. I don't really comment. I, I don't I don't typically talk during those videos. It's literally just for me to to the library. Uh, have, yeah, document something that I can go back to. And like, oh man, this is, I remember that fish. That was an awesome fish, and I'm I'm glad I started doing it uh, because I caught my PD on on it, and I can always just rewatch that video to relive yeah. the moment, right? So oh, that's priceless. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, we yeah. t telling you the story about the guy who I said ran into you. So he's he's from my area, like I said, and he was out to Arizona for for work, and uh, mm -hmm. he got out of work earlier or something. Maybe it was a weekend. He was out there, and mm -hmm. he had brought a little ultralight rod with him. Maybe he bought right. one out there, and he rented a kayak. And I remember him texting me when he got back. He's like, "Dude, I ran into this guy out there. He was fishing swim baits." I was like, oh, that's super cool. And then he's like, he sent, he's like, I'm pretty sure this was his channel. I can't remember off the top of my head. And I remember looking at it. And then I remember seeing your stuff. Um, what was it, like Swimbait Canada? Uh, so it was, yeah. it was, it was like around that time. So what was that, like 2018, I think maybe around yeah. there? Yeah. 
I I remember him. Yeah, I remember him. I think and he's like fish anything on fish TV anything. Yeah, I was about to say now that's now he runs a very very successful BFS finesse uh, company. That's right. That's right. No, I remember running into him. Yeah, that was that 2018. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because yeah, and I was like, I was like, no shit, dude. Like small world. Like I, I obviously didn't know who you uh, were, but I'd seen your stuff before. I'm like, huh, that's cool. So I just I elaborated on that earlier, and I just wanted to wanted to say it because I thought it was cool. <laughs> it's cool that you even you even remember who he was. Like that, that's freaking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. But uh, did did you shout your Instagram out too, or just you two? I can't remember. I I, I said both. Uh, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think here of anything. Uh, any shout outs or anything that you want to, you want to shout anybody out or any, any companies that you, you like what they're doing, bait builders or whoever <laughs> it is, rod company, whatever. Yeah, sure. Uh, a friend of mine started making his own baits. He tested them, uh, 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 heavily. So, you know, you're getting the good stuff. It's, uh, BC baits. He's on Instagram. Uh, a good friend of mine. Yeah. It's, uh, fish. Yeah, fish. Period bait period co. I, I followed him the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just all around cool guy, and uh, yeah, can't go wrong, I guess. Yeah, dude, the the, the swim video we posted, the gill in the pool a couple days ago. Yeah. That, uh, that's a really yeah. good video. That bait swims pretty pretty nicely for sure. Yeah, it's very fluent for like for a glide bait. Like it's very fluent on like the cutback and mm-hmm. stuff. It's uh, it's yeah. cool, man. Like like I feel like glide baits are something that's kind of untapped in the market. Like everybody makes a shad shad glide, but there's you know, you could probably name name on one hand, or if not both That's hands, true. gill glides out there. Yep, super true. And it seems like gill glides always fall through because, like, the hooks are in a super odd position, so they miss fish or just yeah. whatever it is. They're, they're, they're too tall to swim and, on, and or whatever. It, yeah, exactly. And I've had a handful of them, and, and most of them don't swim that well. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, it's an art, that's for sure. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, for guys who figure it out, they get they figure it out, and and people buy their stuff. And for the guys who who maybe miss that mark, then it's kind of just back to the drawing board. And and a lot of the times they're just like, oh, well, I'm, I'll just make a shad glide. Like that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, I wanna I wanna thank you for coming on. You're you're a very busy guy, and uh, and and I'm glad we got to get this to work out because, like I said, I I I've known who you were for a long time. Like I said, I've watched your stuff. <laughs> at least 2018 and it, it's cool to kind of talk to talk to guys who who i grew up watching when i would do 2018 i was i would have been 16 17 so like watching watching that when i was getting into swim bait fishing like typing in swim bait fishing and and watching that video of you catching that 11 it's like whoa like like full circle here i'm talking i'm talking to a lot of these guys you know five six years later i'm like that's that's pretty cool like i i don't think many people get to do that so i i appreciate this opportunity to talk to you no, no. Uh, thank you for the opportunity as well. Yeah, man, for sure. So like I said, uh, I will leave all Randy's stuff in the description, in the show notes, as always. So you guys can go give him a follow, go binge watch. You've got like a decent <laughs> amount of videos on the YouTube channel. It looked like, like probably 20 or 30 on there, at least I'd say. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, people, people can go binge watch shows if they just want some, you know, raw cast to catch stuff or, or just whatever it be. Watch, watch, scroll all the way down and watch the video of the 11 pounder because that's a super cool video. <laughs> and uh, you guys will get to kind of have a visual aspect of, along with the story that Randy told earlier in the show. So, like I said, all Randy's stuff will be in the description so you guys can go follow him, watch his stuff. Uh, make sure you guys follow the podcast if you don't already. Scales and Tails underscore podcast on Instagram. Um, 
trying to think here when this will go out. Uh, I don't know. It's too far to th- too far ahead to think about. Uh, make sure if you guys haven't already rated the show on your listening platform, make sure you guys do that. Uh, five stars would be very very appreciative. And then I think that's everything. Yeah, that's probably about everything. If I'm missing something, it must not be that important. So, like I said, I want to thank Randy for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Kind of got to hear another. Uh, kind of like the glory days of Arizona and what the fishing, how good the fishing used to be and kind of what the demise of it was and, and how, it, how it laid out too. Like, I don't, I don't know if Grady had gone into detail about like those pockets and stuff, but that was, that was cool to hear, but it was also like kind of, kind of depressing to hear too. <laughs> but, uh, but like I said, I want to thank Randy for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I will talk to you guys next time. See you guys.